Beginning in verse number one through verse number seven, we read the following. It says, thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished, and Solomon brought in all of the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king and the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came and the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark and the and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, these did the priest and the Levites bring up. Also King Solomon and all of the congregation of Israel that was assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubs. Let us pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your men and women that's in this room, as well as those that are joining us by way of technology today. And Father, I pray that for the next few moments that you would not just anoint this vessel of clay and give me strength and clarity of thought this morning, but Father, I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive that which you are speaking to us this morning. And Father, help us to leave from this place, not just encouraged, but challenged and, and with a heart to run after that which you're calling us to in this season, we pray in Jesus' name. And the church says... Amen. Amen. When we read this story, we find that it provides us with a glimpse of a time in history when men was not only exposed to the presence of God, but they was also exposed to the glory of God. If you read a little further, which I'm going to do as you're sitting this morning, Verse 11 through verse number 14 of this chapter, please let me read it in your hearing today. It says, And it come to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all of the priests that was present was sanctified and did then not wait by course, but also the Levites, which were the singers, and all of them uh, of, of Aspen and Heman and Jibbethon with their sons and their brethren, been arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and parsleys and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever." that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. I want us to notice this morning that man didn't experience the glory without being willing to do a few things first. 
You and I today at the beginning of this year, we have found ourselves in a time of prayer and corporate fasting, a time of personal purification, and many men and women across the globe is doing that at the beginning of this year. It is not a ritual. It is not a religious activity. If that is your mindset in doing it, you might as well go buy you the biggest cheeseburger you can find today and eat it because that's not what it's about. Uh, you and I today need to understand that when men and women of God go to a place of consecrated prayer and fasting, you are beginning to do the same thing, spiritually speaking, that Solomon did in the natural. Solomon began to prepare a dwelling place for the Lord. When you and I began at the beginning of this year, began to give ourselves to a time of prayer and fasting and meditating on the things of God and just spending time with him, what we did was began to make that decision that we are going to prepare a dwelling place for the Lord. Now, we find that in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse number 1 and 2, it begins to tell us what Solomon did. It says, Then said Solomon, The Lord has said that he would dwell in the thick darkness, but I have built a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. Notice with me, it required men to position themselves as well as build something for the presence of God to dwell in. If you stay with me, I promise we'll end somewhere this morning. It was God's desire, however, for Solomon to build this dwelling place, just like it is his desire for you and I to build this dwelling place. If you know the story of David and Solomon, you will find that at the end of David's life, it was getting close to the end of his life, he began to look around at everything in the natural and he said, is it right that I'm living in a house of cedar and he has no place to dwell? And it was in David's heart to build a house for the Lord. And he tells his heart to Nathan the prophet, and Nathan says this to him, do what is ever in your heart to do. But when Nathan went to his house that evening, he had a visit from the Lord and the Lord said, you need to go talk to King David because David has a heart for me, but David cannot build this place. And therefore he goes back and he begins to give him that which the Lord said, and I'll share just a little bit of it with you. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, 12 through 14, it says, and this is Nathan speaking uh, uh, what the Lord had given him concerning David. It says, and when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, talking about David, the Lord says, I will set up thy seed after thee, talking of Solomon, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of Israel." You also can read that in 1 Chronicles 17, 11 through 13, and it nearly says the same thing, but let me give it to you anyway.
anyway. It says, and it shall come to pass when thy days be expired that thou must go to be with thy fathers that I will raise up thy seed after thee which shall be of thy sons and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house. Notice with me. It was David who desired, but yet David was not permitted because of the events that he had been involved with. It was the generation before us, however, that I must say to you this morning that has dreamed of the task that has been given to us. My father, Brother Irvin Steele, and many, many others that we could name this morning, they had a dream and a vision to bring and to birth, and they did, and they facilitated it. And early on, people don't understand really how effective and how powerful a move of God took place in this Whitewater Valley in the late 50s, all through the 60s, even into the early 70s. There was a moving of the Holy Ghost in this area that was bar none to anything else that was going on. And I will go as far as to say in the United States, I will say this, that uh, other men that you could name, uh, very intelligent men, very gifted men, very anointed men, they was not pastoring and moving in ministry like the ministries was in Connersville, Indiana at that time under the anointing and the power of God. They just had people that marketed it a little bit better. Let's be very honest. But I can tell you that in the late 60s and early 70s, it wasn't a one-man deal, but it was the body of Christ working together. Many men that ended up pastoring many churches throughout this region, but we could sit here and name a ton of them, go down memory lane. But I will tell you that at the Park Road Church, for example, in the early 70s after it was built, they was running 700 people on Sunday. They was running 11 buses at one time. I'm going down memory lane a little bit just to tell you the simple fact is they didn't know what they had, but what they had was the glory of the Lord with the presence of God and therefore life was being transformed and changed and men and women was volunteering and giving of their time, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week and they was carrying they was carrying babies out of houses while mommies and daddy was, was still hung over from the night before and they would bring them to church uh, and they would feed them, they would wash their face uh, and they would they would them in their lap and, and their, their church clothes would be soiled, uh, but they understood it was important uh, to take a generation to the presence of God. And now many of that generation is pastoring all over this nation, uh, but it happened because there was a group of people uh, that had created a dwelling place uh, for the presence of God, uh, and when the presence of God was made room for, uh, then the glory came uh, and life began to be transformed and changed. Uh, but somewhere along the way, men began to think, I can do it my way. But can I tell you, what happens is we began to create lodabars. We began to create barren places. And we began to think, well, why isn't things happening like it did? We've got more technology now. We've got more talent now. We've got more this now, more that now. Listen, you can have all of the things that the world says you need, but if you don't prepare a place for him to dwell, you will never have have the glory. Uh, but listen, uh, you can't get the glory. Everybody says, I want to be in the glory of the Lord. I want to be in the presence of God. Listen, uh, he can't come
come to a place that's not been prepared. Uh, and I want to tell you this morning, uh, it was the generation before us that had the dream uh, to do the task that's been given to us. Uh, however, I believe much like with David and Solomon, uh, we have been granted the opportunity, uh, but as well as the responsibility uh, to create a dwelling place uh, for this last end time outpouring uh, of the rain from heaven uh, that is giving birth uh, that could very well be the final harvest uh, before we're called up to glory. Uh, listen, uh, notice the natural building is complete, uh, but it is not until the ark uh, was ushered into the oracle of the house uh, that there was able to be anything developed. Uh, notice after the natural work was done, uh, there had to be some spiritual labor required. When you come to the altar and said this, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. This vessel was built. Hear me, spiritually speaking. But it doesn't end there. Notice in 2 Chronicles 5.11, it says that it come to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, they were then able to experience something different. Solomon's temple was arrayed in beauty. There had never been anything built like it before. It was layered in gold. People would walk by and say, oh, wow, look at that. We have people today that drives by $8 million, $10 million, $50 million building that's with a steeple on top says, oh, look at that. But it's just an empty shell. Hear me. I'm not being mean this morning. I'm being real with you. Notice with me, before there was ever going to be glory, there had to be a place for there to be a dwelling place created for his presence. And that was never created until, first of all, Solomon made a decision to commit to the task. Please hear me. The first thing I want you to hear this morning is this, is we have to ask ourselves the question, am I really committed to the cause? This cause will not cost you something. It will cost you everything. Notice, if you read the story of David and read the story of Solomon, Solomon comes into his father. His father begins to speak to him and he simply says this, I'm going to make preparations for you. I'm going to gather all of this stuff. I'm going to get it all ready. But he said, you have to commit to it. You have to walk it out. You have to be the one that sees it through. Can I tell you, there's some things right now that the, that the generation before us, uh, they have made preparations for. Uh, there is pile after pile of provision all around us in this region. Uh, but Somebody's got to be committed. No, we're not, we, can't, we can't eat yesterday's manna. We can't go back to the 60s and do it over. But can I tell you uh, that in the spiritual realm, there is heap after heap after heap of provision in the spirit uh, that is ready. Uh, but somebody's got to commit to the cause. Uh, somebody's got to say, you know what? Uh, it's not about popularity. Uh, it's not about the latest and greatest. Uh, but it's about understanding uh, that my responsibility 
responsibility uh, is not necessarily to build this house. Uh, my responsibility is to build this house uh, because this house will be taken care of uh, once this house is taken care of. Uh, can you hear me today? Uh, we are in a place this morning right now uh, where there is a world that is dying and going to hell uh, while we go through religious formats uh, and then we think we're going to come back and do it again. Uh, but it doesn't cost us too much. Uh, listen, it doesn't require too much of me. Uh, it doesn't take too much effort for me uh, to sit down, open up my checkbook and write a check and put it in the offering. Uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to prepare a dwelling place for that. Uh, now, now that's all part of things that we do, absolutely. Uh, but listen, the only way this thing is dwelt uh, uh, and built for a dwelling place uh, is when we come back and we begin to labor uh, in the things of God, uh, where we begin to have a renewed mind daily. Uh, but notice, uh, after the natural labor stopped, uh, we find that then there began to be some spiritual labor required. Uh, the second thing that I want you to understand, uh, that when they brought this thing, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which is symbolic of the presence of the Lord all throughout Old Testament scripture, uh, when, the, uh, when, when the priest picked it up and put it on their shoulders and began to carry it, uh, they did not just carry it, uh, but as they began to carry it, there was another element, uh, and it was simply this. Uh, there was a congregation of people uh, that began to walk in praise and worship. Uh, this is the step two uh, that we must understand. Uh, we must move past singing a song uh, and realize the difference uh, between singing and worship. Uh, anybody can sing, uh, but only those that know who he is uh, can truly worship. Uh, listen, uh, I can sing you a song. Uh, it may not be the prettiest, uh, but I can sing it. Uh, but listen, uh, it, uh, it takes on a whole new meaning uh, when I began to worship. Uh, listen, uh, I was 37,000 feet yesterday and I found myself singing, uh, but I found out I had to contain myself uh, because my singing uh, began to rise up and transfer into worship. Uh, you say, what was you singing? Uh, I don't know. I was just sitting there all of a sudden, the old song, some of you don't even know it. Uh, it began to sing, uh, how great thou art. Uh, I began to think of his goodness. Uh, I began to think of his faithfulness. Uh, I began to think of his presence. Uh, and I couldn't just sing. Uh, I began to see that there was a worship that began to rise up out of me. And I said, God, uh, you're, you're validating what you've been telling me. Uh, because when you know him, uh, you can't sing. Uh, you automatically got to worship. Uh, so if you have a problem worshiping this morning, I got to ask you a question. Uh, do you really know him or do you just know of him? Listen, I'm not talking to be mean this morning, but I want to tell somebody this morning, there is more to this thing than just going to church for an hour and saying, I heard something good. I don't need another self-help speech. What I need is the presence of God because that's what brings the glory of God. And when I step into the glory, I begin to see the manifestation of his presence uh, and that's where signs and wonders uh, begin to follow them that believe uh, I gotta ask you uh, is anything following you today please hear me we gotta prepare for this thing notice 2 Chronicles 5 12 through 14 uh, and we read it once but let me jump through it real quick again the Levites which were the singers and then we find the others 
they was arrayed in white linen. They all have cymbals and parsleys and harps and they stood at the east end of the altar and there was 120 priests sounding with trumpets that come to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, the cymbals and the instruments of music all beautifully come together. Notice what is heard in the heavenlies. Because this is what began to not be birthed from their lips, but it began to be birthed out of their spirit. For he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Won't you tell your neighbor that? For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Maybe I just need to tell a few people that this morning. For he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Maybe I need to tell somebody else that this morning. For he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. I, 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 I feel like maybe I need to tell somebody else this morning. I, I'm not released to move past it just yet, but maybe I need to tell everybody in this section that I, I don't know what you went through this week. I don't, I don't know what the challenge is. I, I don't know what that thing the enemy has said to you this week, uh, but I gotta tell you one thing that I know, uh, not because I read it, but because I've experienced uh, for nearly 50 years now. Uh, he is good uh, and his mercy endureth forever. Uh, oh, I don't know uh, if we really understand, uh, but when they begin to walk in the present. Listen, uh, they was just in transfer. Uh, they hadn't even got to the glory yet. Uh, but all they began to begin to be around the, the outer banks of the ark. Uh, and all of a sudden a song begins to come up out of their spirit. Uh, listen, uh, as it did, uh, all of a sudden, uh, for he is good uh, and his mercy endures forever. Uh, I don't know how many steps they took. I, I don't know how many they said, how many times they said it. Uh, but it says they began to sing it. Uh, Listen, uh, we ain't the first ones that ever write songs that repeated themselves, so get over it. Uh, they said, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Uh, they, uh, listen, if they would have had a screen, they'd put it on the wall. Uh, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Uh, I want you to understand, uh, when they begin to give that shout and that song, uh, things began to change. Uh, what they was doing and they did not even realize uh, is that it wasn't the singing. Uh, but it was the worship uh, that brought in a invitation uh, not to man uh, but to the throne room of heaven uh, and he uh, always responds uh, when his children gives invitation uh, so when they was inviting him uh, he said I got to step down out of glory uh, and I got to come and abide in them uh, he said I can't stay up here uh, when they're there uh, when the table is spread and everything has been made ready. They've worked naturally. Now they're working spiritually. And now they've invited me. And he says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. Is anybody wanting to get in his presence today? Yeah. 
I got to say it again this morning. While it is in his presence that we experience the fullness of joy, there is a greater depth than joy. Uh, that there is a greater depth that when we can experience uh, where we go to, uh, where it's not just his presence, uh, but it is his glory. Uh, and when his glory comes, uh, men can't do what they've always done. Uh, when the glory comes, uh, you won't sing a song and sit down. Uh, you won't hear a preacher preach and go home. Uh, but when the glory comes, uh, you'll lay out in the floor on night, wake up with the sun in the morning uh, and be refreshed and renewed uh, because uh, of his manifested presence. Lord, help me. Second Chronicles 7, verse number one. Notice this. You say, preacher, and I, I, I got to talk to somebody today when I see them. I heard they was giving me a hard time while I was gone this week. I won't mention no names. So I'm glad Wade's not here. I'd call him out. <laughs> he said, every pastor he's ever known is all it calls for a three-day fast. My pastor calls for 21. He's killing me. <laughs> Listen, it's not my fault they fixed brownies and had them on the counter. I wasn't there. I didn't have nothing to do with it. Notice. Why are you making us pray? Why are you making, I'm not making, that's the wrong term. Why am I inviting you to pray and fast and come into place of personal yes. consecration? Why am I doing that? It's because I want to show you the power of prayer. Because yes. see, Solomon built a temple. It was just a building. Solomon sent the elders to carry the ark in and put it in his oracle, the holy place. It was still just a building. The singers were singing. It was still just a building. Because you got to read all of the story to get the full effect of the story. Because in chapter 7, it says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying. See, if there wasn't no praying going on in the midst of all of this. Notice, he said, when he had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped. And praise the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. It is not enough to visit a time of prayer or a time of fasting. But hear this preacher this morning. We must make a decision to live this lifestyle not for 21 days, but continually and often should we find ourselves in a place of consecration. Notice what happens for the sake of time. I will not give you all of Solomon's prayer, but I encourage you to read it. Chapter number six through and then see and read all of chapter number seven because in Solomon's prayer, he said this, Lord, 
I've built you this dwelling place. And I've not just built it for you, but I've built it for your people. I'm paraphrasing this morning. And he said, if they should ever turn away from you, he said, if they should ever abandon the truths of your law, if they should ever neglect you in any way, shape, or form, and he mentions many things, he said, Lord, if they was to turn their face back to you in this place, Lord, will you please forgive them and will you please restore them? Don't just cut them off. And this is his prayer. He said, if they ever lose their way and they turn back towards you in this place, please, Father, extend grace and mercy to them. So I want to give you heaven's response this morning. And this is why it's so important that we in this hour create a dwelling place for the Lord. Notice it says in verse number 12 and the following of chapter 7. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. Get this. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. But if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, he didn't say if the nation or if the multitude. He said, but if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and do what? Pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Most people stop right there, but verse 15, oh, he said, now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou will walk before me as David thy father walked into according to all that I've commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom, according as I have coveted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. What am I saying this morning? If this is built, and has created a dwelling place for him. And it comes into alignment with the things of God and prayer is made concerning it. There is a fire that can fall from heaven in every one of our lives. And let's be honest and real. Every one of us have lost our way at times. 
every one of us has fallen down and made mistakes, but I'm so God he's full of, so glad he's full of grace and mercy. But he says, if my people will turn to me and cry and repent and pray, he said, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal not just them, but I'll heal their land. I stand before you today knowing this, that I know it's not on the calendars of men. I know that even those in spiritual leadership is concerned and full of doom and gloom. But I've been alone with Jesus. And I'm believing for fire to come. And it's going to be the manifestation of his glory. Because there's a people that is praying and creating a dwelling place. And even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death at the beginning of this year, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. And I will stand victorious, not just today, but every day of my life, because he is good, and his mercy endures forever. How good is he, preacher? As they come to the piano this morning, I'll tell you how good he is. Brother Derek, I walked into a prison. 1,043 men. Thursday morning. Wednesday morning. They usher 100 men or so into this chapel of all kinds of stuff. There's a man on the front row, middle-aged Hispanic man, dark glasses on, blind in both eyes. A few years ago, Took a 357, shot his girlfriend and killed her. Turned the gun on himself. Any of you that know anything about guns, it's one of the most powerful handguns you can have. He did not succeed in taking his life. It moved and came out this eye and crossed the nose and scarred this eye. He's blind, naturally in darkness. But as we began to sing, many of the men were singing, but a blind man was worshiping. He was spending the rest of his life there more than likely enslaved in the natural but free in the spirit because he called out to one by the name of Jesus 
when everybody else was going to throw him away, Jesus simply said, if you'll make a dwelling place for me. Because he's good. And his mercy endures forever. hear this preacher this morning there's going to be a whole lot of people in heaven that the world said they'd never make it there's going to be a whole lot of people that attended church every Sunday and if they're not careful they're going to be like the rich man that says can somebody just go back and tell my family All of this that we do is good. But you got to hear the heart of this preacher today. This isn't salvation. It's only a repentive heart and a man or a woman that'll create a dwelling place. Listen, I I don't need religion this morning. But I need His glory. You don't need religion this morning. You need His glory. Your family, they need to see the glory. Our nation this morning is in trouble. Oh, is it really bad? Is it that bad, preacher? Tomorrow, in the United States of America, tomorrow, after grade schoolers get out of school in a specific state, has the opportunity to go for the first time to a a club that's created. It's simply called basically come and hang out with Satan. It's an after school club. And our leaders simply say, well, it's just because of equal opportunity. If we did it for the Good Samaritan group, we have to let them have their club too. Here's the thing about the glory. Solomon, when he finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. You say, why do you need the glory, pastor? Why are you so passionate this morning? is every time that I read when God answers by fire, he comes down and his fire consumes. And I'm here to tell you that as the people of God create this dwelling place and the glory comes in this latter house, 
There is a consuming fire and evil is about to be dealt with in this nation. And when I talk about evil, I'm not just talking about in the political regions, but I'm talking about even in the church in America. God is full of grace and mercy, absolutely. But there comes a day when he closes the door of the ark and says, it's done. You've waited too long. This morning, I want to ask you this question and then I'm done this morning. I must ask this question and I don't ask this question in a, in a manner to... be mean-spirited at all. But it is a very personal question this morning. I must ask this question because I am watching over your soul today. Is the life that you are currently building Is it been built for him to dwell? And is it filled with worship? Or is it just filled with singing? For please hear me today. The church in America must stop singing. And it must begin to worship. Because that is what he's drawn to. Solomon, I heard your prayer. Solomon, I've answered by fire. But Solomon, I want you to know that I have chosen this place. Here's what I believe this morning. I believe throughout the Appalachian Mountains up through northern Kentucky into this Whitewater Valley there is some significant God portals that God has chosen because people is finishing a temple I believe that there's something different. I'm believing at the end of this week that there is the completing of some things. And it's going to be the time where in the spiritual realm we are picking up his presence and taking it to the oracle of the house, our lives. And I believe that he's responding with an outpouring of fire and his glory is coming. This is not going to be as it always has been. If you and I will just stand and be what he's calling us to be.